The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show today. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. And I am Gwendolyn Galsworth, your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. And each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living dynamic landscape of work through visual devices, through visual systems, through visual mini systems how to install the language of our current level of operational excellence, even if we are not quite as excellent as we wish we would be or as we know we will be at some future point. We install our current level. We make that concrete and specific through visual devices which hold the details of our operational intelligence. The, the device itself is the vocabulary. The device itself holds bits of knowledge, bits of know-how. And we can literally see how we think and we can see how we function. We capture it. Workplace visuality, structure, devices. If it isn't physical, it isn't visual. Your workplace becomes visual when you translate it into devices. And why do we bother? We bother for the extraordinary bottom line benefits. 15 to 30% increase in productivity. This is documented. Improved safety, better quality, more aligned delivery time, and of course, shrinking costs. And we do it for the splendid cultural alignment, a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels, not just operators and Believe me, it's marvelous when we do operator-led visuality, but also marvelous when we do visual leadership on a CEO level and visual leadership on a supervisory level, and we do visual guarantees with our engineers and visual machine, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what? The third great benefit is we enjoy ourselves at work. We go to work and we enjoy ourselves, or as Taichi Ono, the co-architect of the Toyota production system, Taichi Ono said, people don't come to Toyota to work, they come to think. For me, this is, in a sentence, a fluid and engaged work culture. The enterprise flows. Oh, wonderful, oh, wonderful. So welcome, welcome to our show. And today, I just got back from Mexico, so we're going to be talking about Mexico. Mexico goes visual and uh, we have a lot to say about that, but just a few announcements. I want to thank you for your wonderful response to our special show on Gary De Plumma, Gary De Plumma, 
and his secret life as a poet. Thank you for buying his books, Yes, Yes, and Beyond the Wire. They're on Amazon, $12 and $14 respectively. I love these books. I think it is important for us to support working people who are artists for their art. I think it is important for us to see the the art that happens parallel to a strong working life and to support that. And I hope you continue to buy his books. They're quite wonderful. They're by my bedside. And um, and I think that they add, I know they add a great deal to my life. Some people like to appreciate from afar, but others make a closer appreciation by enjoying the works themselves. Please find his books on Amazon. Just look under Gary Galsworth. Don't look under Gary DePlumma because you won't find it. Look under Gary Galsworth, Amazon.com. And yes, by the way, he is my brother, but that's only coincidental. I'm so honored to be his sister. He's such a, a powerful poet. So I want to say please and also thank you. And uh, I also am going to be writing for uh, the next few months with an occasional seminar about my schedule um, and uh, a keynote. And we will post our 2017 schedule on our website shortly, visualworkplace.com. I'll be in Australia next year from the end of March through most of April. And if you do have an Australian company and want us to consider you as being a host site for one of my visual thinking seminars, please let us know. We are being sponsored by SIRF, SURF. They do wonderful work throughout the country. We'll be in about seven or eight cities, um, Adelaide, Perth, Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, and a couple of others. Oh, we're also going to be in New Zealand. So um, so let us use your site as a host site and do a visual uh, assessment and give feedback and support your journey. So, and it is my pleasure and also my job to encourage you on that visual workplace journey. We always like to see, uh, we always like to offer things that will help you. Uh, We can, of course, do visual thinking seminars in your own plant. Of course we can. There's a whole uh, host of uh, personal things, personal services that I deliver in terms of uh, showing up on your site. But you can also simply come to our website, visualworkplace.com, and listen to the free podcasts. There's like 150 of them. They're searchable, splendid new searchable format, easy to find, grouped by topics. You can also read the newsletter. Please become a member. It's free. You get a weekly newsletter free, and it's really, really good. This week we talk about Mexico, but we also talk about some other things that I think you will find interesting. And uh, we want to encourage you also to get our online training system for operators, work that makes sense. It's magnificent, it's inexpensive, and it really, really works. We will help you as part of your purchase. You get two uh, um, coaching sessions from me, and we help you on your way. We can continue that relationship, or that may be enough, but we answer your questions and make sure you're off to a strong start. And please come and visit our website, visualworkplace.com, and look at our video galleries. There are lots of things and lots of things you can use with your teams um, if you are on a very, very, very short budget. The important thing is that you continue and that you get visual and then more visual. Okay, let's begin. So today, we are going to be talking about Mexico and about my trip to Mexico. And, um, you know, 
I have a lot to say about this. And I'm going to start by saying, in case you haven't noticed, all nations are proud. All nations are proud of their history. They know it well. They're proud of their heritage. They know it well. They live it. They're proud of their progress. Their view on progress is much wider than ours because they remember where they came from. And so progress may look like a standstill to outsiders, but to them, a breakthrough. And people are proud of their nations. They are proud of how they are different, how they are special. No less so for us in the USA, no less so in Mexico. And I had the great pleasure last week of spending a week in Mexico doing my work, workplace visuality. I was invited by Abel Gomez, the CEO of the the OPEX Academy, Operational Excellence Academy, which is also one of the two representatives of the Shingo Prize in Mexico. And he was a most wonderful host, a wonderful thought leader, and a wonderful and charming and supportive host. I had a wonderful time. Oh, the OPEX Academy is a sterling organization with exceptional people. But here's the thing. During the week, I discovered, or maybe I could say I rediscovered, that the Mexican people are exceptional themselves, quite dramatically so. I've worked in and out of Mexico since the mid-1980s, and I have always been not just impressed, but sometimes simply awestruck. Early on, I interfaced with the Packard Electric Group, a company based in Ohio that opened the first U.S. transplant in Mexico. It was called Rio Bravo 4 and was run by a Packard plant manager. His name was Jim Walker, a wonderful American. Rio Bravo 4 was a splendid example even in the 1980s. I was there in 1986. was a splendid example of visuality. I often show some of the visual devices as part of my presentations. One particular one I'm fond of is a visual standard that shows the tricky part of wrapping a wiring harness, beautifully presented, bright, clear as a bell. Just the tricky part, not the whole SOP, but the part that seems to defeat people and there it was and it was and I want to say it's clearly stamped it says 1986 and I make a point when I present this particular slide of pointing out the 1986 but you know some people misunderstand when I show that standard that visual standard that has 1986 they wonder why I'm showing them such an old device it's over 30 years old why waste their time that's if they miss the point But if they get the point, they are blown away by the fact that Mexico was so far in advance of us in visuality in 1986. The point of comparison is stunning. It isn't that it's old. It's that it's advanced. So that device itself is brilliant. And by the way, I'm going to ask our newsletter editor, the great, the incomparable Cindy Linden, to include a picture of that in our newsletter next week. It's a really beautiful device. Please become a member. I'll also ask you to put it in your member box. If you become a member, it's free, and you'll have that to 
uh, contemplate, but also to use if you wish with your own groups. It just shows the tricky part. I won't go into a long explanation about that because we have other fish to fry today, other um, tacos to make. <laughs> so at Rio Bravo 4, back in the 80s, visuality had entered the shop floor and new visual devices entered every day. Jim Walker, the plant manager, hired four draftsmen to keep to keep ahead of the need for visual. The shop floor would make a mistake, somebody would make a mistake, the operator would raise his hand, immediately the draft, one of the draftsmen would go down to consult with the operator and say what went on here, and the operator and the tech would conceive of a, cons uh, a solution, the tech would then draft it, and it would, be, it would be on the floor within hours, helping that workplace to speak. Sumitomo was, was the group that schooled the Packard family, Packard Electric. Sumitomo, Japan's great giant in electronics. And they were very, very tough. And I'll tell you how tough. Just after our, our first break, I'll be here when you get back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and you are in the second segment today of our show at the Visual Workplace. And we were talk we are talking about Mexico goes visual. And I was describing just before the break uh, what Mex a particular Mexican plant, Rio Bravo Four, was like in the 1980s when I was first there. Rio Bravo 4 was the first Mexican transplant from Packard Electric, an electronics giant in the United States. And Sumi, Packard Electric had made a, an alliance with Sumitomo, Japan's electronic giant. And Sumitomo was schooling the plant, all of Packard Electric, but also in Mexico, in 
its production system. And they were very tough. The Sumitomo senseis were as tough as they come. Some of the legends that came out of that time, for example, was that a Japanese, one of the Japanese senseis from Sumitomo, went into the men's room, found a broken window, did what he had to do, and then came out and politely requested to see the standard that required that broken window. Of course, there was none. And so, the legend goes, in the style of all divas and senseis everywhere, he got on the next plane and flew home. That was it. There wasn't a standard for each attribute of the production floor. Then something was wiggling and out of control. And Jim Walker, the plant manager, adopted some of the same strict adherence to spec. I tended to find it a bit draconian, a bit heavy-handed. But Jim, well, I knew that he enjoyed teaching with no deviation from normal. It just fit his personality to a T. He was a really, really kind person, very employee-minded. And the two traits were not contradicted in him. He was very stern, strict about no deviation from normal, but he was also very, very kind. Everyone loved him. And even though these are two very different traits, they are simply different aspects of the same leadership for excellence. Nothing was given up. Both things were done. And the culture in that plant was fantastic and also the adherence to spec was fantastic they had knew me as a um oem as a as a customer and knew me was extraordinarily demanding but that's another story for another day so i i'm describing to you my first experience in mexico and i want to say something else about that what i dis- what i saw were people who were Operators who were very, very nice, but also a bit timid. And as I began to learn more about Mexico, I began to understand where this came from. And I want to talk about this for a moment because it will set us up for what I discovered last week, which I thought I was very refreshed by. So some of you are familiar with the idea that Mexico in the 1980s was had just put its foot upon the road to become industrialized. But the society itself was highly paternalistic. It had a rich ancient history of Aztecs and Mayans and Toltecs and Olmecs. The pre-Columbian Mexico was home to many advanced Middle American civilization, and they were very advanced, really astonishing science, astonishing relationship with nature and with the stars and the way they kept time, just amazing. And then Spain came along and conquered and colonized the territory and administered it through a viceroy. Uh, It was called New Spain. And for three centuries, this rule went on. That was 1521, the Spanish Empire began uh, from Spain. And in 1821, Mexico, the colonists, had finally won their war of independence. 
we are seeing this happen around the world right now. And Mexico was there about a century, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, closer to 200 years ago now. The tumultuous post-independence period that is characterized by instability and many political changes is something that Mexico has just come out of, just come out of. And in fact, in 1910, there was a Mexican revolution to overthrow the dictatorship. It was successful, more successful, for example, than the uh, Egypt Spring of several years ago. It was successful, but the company still had to make its way into a different way of ruling itself and knowing itself and developing. These hierarchies, the pre-industrial Mexico was very poor, very, very poor, run by the wealthy, a kind of oligarchy, and then a dictatorship took over. And you've seen Zorro and the Mask of Zorro and Zorro Three, so you have a flavor of what that was like and why Zorro was such a hero. He was really like Robin Hood, stealing from the rich, giving to the poor, making things right when the people didn't have a way to do it themselves. The common man, the us, the everyday man, lived through it. And in that person's culture was the proud culture of Spain. But he was, these people, men and women and children, were outpowered by this big foot that was ruling it. And they developed a very passive response in America, we became active and determined and we have a sense of entitlement and that works very well with the determination to rise up, climb up the economic ladder. And for good or ill, that is being learned in Mexico today. I think it is for good. People are, uh, in the language of visuality, becoming self-regulating. They're becoming self-leaders. They are not waiting by the wayside but they are engaging, that's a good and a positive. But the transition hasn't been made yet. I saw the beginnings of that when I was in Rio Bravo 4. And over the years, for example, in the 1990s and also after 2000, I went to Mexico fairly often to do seminars which Americans attended as they studied the Mexican plants. It was kind of like a mini trip to Japan. Instead of going to Japan, you would go to Mexico and you would see these amazing production systems at Delphi, Delphi, Delphi Deltronicos in Delphi Ramir in Matamoros and Delphi in Reynosa. These are prize-winning, shingle-winning plants. Fantastic. The Maquiladoro plants were full of life and excellent excellent visuality, meticulous and drilled down. And I will say also that their visuality was not the model that I developed and the one that I promote and talk about all the time, information deficits language. In fact, I never could find the organizing framework for their visuality, but their work and their devices were still fantastic. So I did, I did work down there. And also I learned a lot. I was watching and learning from them as they were watching and learning from me. 
And then I did, for example, also three years in Juarez with Johnson & Johnson, and that was challenging, but in ways that are not germane to today's discussion for completely different reasons. But throughout it all, I always found the Mexican workforce, Mexican managers, supervisors, consistently loyal, hardworking, imaginative, and progressive. But somehow, somehow I never got the measure of Mexico until my last trip, only last week. I never got the scope and the depth of the Mexican people at work. I want to mention right now that Mexico has about 120 million population and only about 20 million of those people actually have what we would call a regular job. The rest of the people make do and that's an imbalance in the economy and one that is being corrected. But I will tell you, this was just so amazing to me. I understood perhaps for the first time the political implications and the economic implications of the kind of changes that we see in the world today. Mexico is a microcosm of that. Its journey, which has been 150 years, it takes a long time to make the transition to true independence. I'm not even talking about um, democracy. I'm talking about having a sound economic base so people can learn and grow and lead their lives and have, and have a life that they live. Hmm? So it's been very, very interesting. I am not a politico. I stay away from politics because I feel very strongly. I have strong opinions. I'm not really fit for it. But I do notice that some U.S. politicians have provocative I think, odd notions about Mexico and its society. They talk about keeping the Mexican people out of the U.S. But in my view, and in the view of some other political leaders, we should be looking for ways to bring more Mexicans in because they represent a level of refinement that is stunning in an area where here in the United States we do not yet have strength. I don't want to lose any listeners over this, but my eyes tell me that there is a greater depth and scope to the Mexican people than one might assume. And last week when I was doing site assessments and teaching groups and conducting seminars and meeting with business leaders and continuous improvement leaders, I became more and more convinced of this. There's no doubt in my mind that I learned as much as I taught. And of course, for that, I'm very grateful. I've never known it to fail that I teach, I learn. I teach, I learn. I'm sure it is the same with you. But Mexico offered me more this time. And that's what I want to share with you with some urgency. And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do a good job, but I'm going to give it a try. So I want to establish right now Mexico is already visual. I don't believe they have a protocol for replicating that visuality from company to company. And I don't believe that they have great strength in operator-led visuality or even great strength in visual leadership because I think that they, they're missing, as most of the world is, a framework for doing iterations, for cycling through that and becoming stronger and stronger. But they have a basic template 
and it's impressive. They have a requirement that is met for information to be shared. Yes, they need to go deeper, of course, and I hope that I have a chance to help them. It would be my pleasure, honestly. I would love that. I know what they need to do, but they've given me so much to work with. So I have a little bit of a nose for authenticity in people. I value it. And for sweetness, I value that too. And I found the beautiful heart of Mexico last week. It was always there, but I really had an experience of it. The kindness, the rightness, the carefulness, the care, the pace. They're productive plants, but there are spaces in between that allow people to breathe. The Mexican people are steeped in family and they are grounded in their faith. And they are a good people who are reliable and intelligent. They value education and they seek it in every possible way. And I want to say more about that. We're sliding into our next break right now. But I want to say more about the openness to learning because, you know, part of my position, if you will, or theme today is there is much that we can learn from the Mexicans, the way they do things. And I want to talk about that when we get back. I'll be here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back to the second part of our, to the third part of our show today, I beg your pardon, to the third part of our show, The Visual Workplace Today. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, and we're talking about Mexico. And in the first two segments of the show, I established, at least with my words, that the Many, many of the operating companies, the well-operated companies in Mexico are visual. 
they are probably on a scale of one to ten on a level of three. Some of them are on five. Some of them are at six. Certainly the Delphi group, which of course no longer exists, uh, is on a level of six, seven. Autoleave has taken them over, but they took over a plant that was all that already a, a system of plants that already had a splendid system of visuality, really splendid. And when we go to Autoleave, Autoleave has a great deal to contribute on its own, but they work from a very very high base, and I'm sure that they recognize that. So we've kind of disposed of or establish that Mexico is visual. It needs to get more visual, and it will. If I can help it, it will. We'll see what happens next. But I want to continue with the theme of what is it that Mexico has to offer us? Why would I say, let, let's let more Mexicans in. Let's not keep them out. And it's their value system, which they understand intuitively and pretty completely. This is what attracts us to the Japanese, the part of their value system that promotes respect for people, that promotes the care about the specification. We tried in the 1980s to model ourselves after them, and we were partly successful. But what Mexican, the Mexican people bring to us is the heart and the goodness of knowing that not only is life good, but we care about each other. This is a little bit of a different flavor than we find in Japan. I find it very inspiring. I find it, if I may use the word, juicy. It's not a cold value system or a cool value system. It is warm and it is kind and it is caring. I have seen this in Mexican managers and executives. They are terrifically well-educated, and they exhibit an emotional balance that is rare. I rarely find it in U.S. management. I find it from time to time, but as a group across all, there is not a sense of competition or trying to get ahead. There is a sense of moving ahead together. There is a sense of collaboration without even trying not because, hmm, it isn't that U.S. managers lack. It's that they don't yet, they have not yet acquired the habits that come quite naturally, in my opinion, to the Mexicans. U.S. managers and executives simply have too much to do. And they have to do it too fast. And so their emotional intelligence doesn't really have a chance to grow. But I haven't seen fast in Mexico. And I'm not talking about the so-called manana cartoon of Mexican life that everybody takes their time and sits in the sun under their sombrero and doesn't care about pace. Mexican companies with Mexican workforces and Mexican managers get work done and they get it done strongly. It is an unalloyed good. I don't have any research to back me up, but maybe I will soon. But right now, I don't. But I 
the sense I have is that Mexican leaders don't skip steps. They are not in a hurry to hurry. They take their time. They give time its due. They take to heart the components of the production system profile that they see on a piece of paper that corporate sent them. They are thoughtful. They are markedly hopeful. And I'm talking about senior managers. There is a strain of optimism that is noticeable in the Mexican workplace and in Mexican executives. And when I look at it and think about it, I, I think it's gratitude. I think it's gratitude. It's sometimes hard to tell. It's hard to distinguish optimism and gratitude, gratefulness. But what I do know is Mexican managers and leaders have an open heart. Yes, U.S. companies have some of this, but open hearts are a steady state. You know, I've maybe seen 30 or 40 Mexican companies. That's not everyone. But this is a characteristic, and I find it to be sterling. Open-heartedness is not the same as open-handedness. It isn't that people are careless. It's that, that they care and they allow, allow us to see it. It is a particularly compelling expression of respect. They listen with patience and interest. They respond with care and intelligence. They are not in a hurry. They don't actually cultivate an ability to do multitasking. They wisely know that multitasking is often a waste of time and impossible to do. So there are these moments that I had last week of evenness that stunned me. For example, I was meeting with one extraordinary um, site leader. He had two plants, maybe three, under his uh, purview. And I, because I didn't know him, I was tentative about speaking frankly. And we were meeting with the executive team. And I felt uncomfortable because I was going to say, make some suggestions that would, in an American plant, reflect on his leadership. So I asked if uh, I could have the room, if we could just talk for a little while ourselves. And we talked for a little while, but then he turned to me with a puzzled look on his face. And he said, but why is my team out there if you're telling me these things? And I realized, oh my goodness, this a theme or this sense of collaboration is so complete that there's no such thing as a private conversation because the idea that this would be used against anyone is not part of the belief or the value system. I'm not saying it was unthinkable, that's not quite the word, but it was just odd to them that there would be any kind of segregation of the people who were responsible for the running of the organization and the leader. And so I said, oh, excuse me, sir, of course, please call them back. And then we had our conversation together. I felt a little foolish, but I also understood that I really didn't understand the depth of the ease with which people allow differences to exist. There is no judgment. I'm saying this very, very plainly. There is no judgment. This is something that Americans do automatically. We compare ourselves with others. We, we create on an almost instant hierarchy and we position ourselves as either above 
or below someone. We do that pretty much automatically. And if you're a U.S. citizen, native-born, you know exactly what I mean. And that keeps us on already on our toes. We are always scanning the perimeter. We are under threat from ourselves. We're making these comparisons. What a relief to not have that in the psychological room. I noticed the same thing in Europe, in the U.K., I've been drawn to these company, these countries because the, psycholo- the psychology is so easy with differences. I know, I know there are hidden hierarchies. I'm well aware of the class system in the UK, but it doesn't express itself in a way that I notice. If there are cues and codes, I miss them. And I feel this relief. I feel a kind of beneficent invisibility. I am not being judged, nor do I need to judge others in order to move forward with the work we're doing together. It's quite amazing. So, I wanted to share that with you. Here in the United States, we're not there yet. We don't think like that yet. We need more of a view of it. We need more of an experience with it. We need to name it so that we notice it, so that we can move towards that, which in my view is moving towards world class, which in my view is moving towards a more civilized society. And maybe it's because Mexico and other developing countries, because I noticed the same thing in Kenya, which I know is rife with corruption. But when you move down to the work level, there's an open-heartedness and a clarity and an eagerness to learn that it simply doesn't have any place for judgment. There's just openness, open-heartedness and open-mindedness. People are eager to learn. Because it's our natural state. And you know what else? I was, I, in preparation for the show, and I always prepare, whenever I, when I have time, I prepare for the show quite carefully, two or three hours. I was trying to name something else, and I'm going to go out on a limb, but I'm pretty sure this is true. One of the things that I experienced in Mexico, I think, is that each person seemed to represent the entire company. I was in a room with um, GMs, with plant managers, with directors, but also with CI specialists and some very young people, 20, 22 years old, and also 50, 60 years old, people who are very mature in their work and people who are just new. So it was an interesting cross-section, but every single person in that room represented the entire company. It was amazing. Each person seemed to look upon the company they worked for as their own, their very, their very own, their very precious own. It was jaw-dropping for me. It took me a while to understand, but I think I got it. The difference is mighty. And, you know, I use the word, this seemed to be happening because I'm still probing it myself, poking it with my mind to see which way it wiggles. But I believe that my deductions hold true and that I am describing a mighty society-based characteristic, and it is powerful. When I look at it, 
Well, I'll tell you after the next break because I'm getting a very strong signal that we need to move into our final break, and I will pick this up. I have a few more things I want to share with you. I hope that you find this interesting. But more than that, I hope that you feel that something in you is interested in learning more about the Mexican people and maybe setting aside for a little while what you think you know that is perhaps not as attractive as it actually is. I hope this is opening things a little bit. It did for me. I'll see you in a moment. I'll be here when you get back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, and we're entering the last segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace, and we are talking about Mexico. The kind of false title of the show is Mexico Goes Visual, because that's why I was there, and it will go more visual. I am sure that we are going to be continuing work with several Mexican companies. Uh, there seems to be strong interest, and I know that we can we can help. But actually what I'm talking about in this show is what I learned. And I was so bowled over by it but that I wanted to share it with you, especially at this time, one week before our election, especially when there's a lot of um, fear about what's going on and about how we should be with each other. So I want to say, I want to kind of pull things together in this last segment and say some things quite plainly. In a nutshell, in this company, in, in this country of Catholics, I observed no shame. No judgment, no negative points of comparison amongst the Mexican workforce. If it was there, I did not see it. 
and I was in a somewhat, I had set up a somewhat competitive environment because I teach, and as somebody once said of me, I make participants of everyone. I call as many people forth as possible to be part of the discussion, the thinking, the shift. And and people were at the ready. When we did something that I call talk amongst yourselves, which is the moment when I say, well, what do you think about what I just said? Or what do you think about that solution? Or just tell me how that solution works. Devise it from your own eyes and talk to your neighbor about it. The room would burst into rowdiness. It, they were not covered conversations. It simply, people began to talk and to be animated and to share their thinking and others listened this is not normal <laughs> in the United States. We have to coax and you say, it's okay. There's no wrong answer. It's okay. Think, think and talk and explore this. Make this idea yours. And I will confess, I fall into the American trap often. I'm often, I don't mean to be, but every now and again I should say, I say, oh, you know, that's wrong. But sometimes people are sturdy enough to actually hear that's wrong and just say, oh, yeah, really? Tell me. Tell me why it's wrong. I, I want to understand. And then I give my view. Sometimes it's ill-begotten, misbegotten, and I pay for it because I'm an American. But I have a lot of fluidity in my interactions with the people who are uh, when we are learning together. So I'm, I find this to be extraordinary, even joyous. And I'm telling you that I've been interfacing with Mexico for well over 30 years, and it took me a long time to pinpoint this. But this time, unlike the other times, I was not in Mexico with Americans. I was in Mexico with Mexicans. It was night and day. I am so grateful for this. Because I see that I had my own assumptions about the Mexican people, and they were wrong. The people I met were happy, and many of them were poor by our comparison, but they led rich lives, and they held on to those rich lives. Of course there were struggles, and I am not suggesting that Mexican companies and the Mexican workforce don't have problems. They absolutely do. I have heard that one is personal accountability, but I have not personally seen evidence of it or experienced it. But I've heard from several sources that people don't really hold themselves accountable. Okay, okay, I'm going to find out about that soon enough, and we'll work on it. We'll see if I can bring some American accountability to the Mexican mindset. Maybe I can, maybe I can't. I'm sure others have tried before. But what I did see is that the Mexican workforce has strengths in areas where American companies are challenged and could use those strengths. The areas are there's lack of negativity, resentment, disassociation, fault-finding, blame, these destructive traits that in some U.S. companies are flagrant, a very visible problem. In other companies, these same traits are there, but they're below the surface. 
and I do attribute it to the habit of mind that we have in America of making comparisons. Everything in our society and in our media forces that, a sense of entitlement and of a sense of injustice that we are not winning, we are not on top, I don't have what you have. It's okay. This is America. This is us. That if somebody else, if someone wins, somebody else has to lose. If someone is on top, then someone else has got to be on the bottom. It's just a product of our own growth and our own journey. And it will change. It is changing. And I know it is important to notice it. It is important to market and say, I notice this as I am noticing what is different in Mexico. You know, this same leader that I was talking about who said, please tell me why are my why is my team standing in the hallway while you're talking to me? They should be hearing this. Oh, excuse me, sir. The same person was telling me that one of the operating principles of his company, and I'm quoting here, is love. Not spelled L-U-V, but L-O-V-E, the proper spelling of love. You know, the way Subaru says what makes a Subaru a Subaru, love makes a Subaru a Subaru. That's what this company was saying, that love, that they named love as a driver and as an outcome. Those are two different things. As a driver and as an outcome. Going back to the Chinese proverb that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. The first step is love and the destination is love. My goodness, what are we talking about here? I was blown away by that. So I want you to know that my experience in Mexico showed me strengths. Strengths that were both hard won, like learning how to run a business, grow a business, what accountability means and how to cultivate it, I believe. Hard-won strengths that Mexico is learning, but without sacrificing its values and beliefs, the ones that the Mexican people hold very near and very dear. The importance of family, the importance of connectivity and caring, kindness as a national trait, taking care of each other as a national trait, moving forward together as a national trait. Whatever kind of struggles Mexico may be having on a political level, in a way, the people, the people that I met who are working are innocent of that. And I think that that is deserving of our respect. I think we need to, we need to note it and we need to celebrate it. And we need to know that it is possible for us to, I'm not sure if it's regain it because I'm not sure we've ever had it in strength, but certainly it is possible for us to appreciate it, value it, and to learn it. What would it be like if the people who are learning to grow their economy south of our borders have something to teach us? What would it be like if in welcoming Mexicans into our country, of course under some control, it really is a welcoming of people who have something to help us, to teach us, what would it be like? Hmm? I have more to say. 
We've run out of time, and luckily so, I would say, because I am already pushing the edge of the envelope. I'm, I'm sure some of you are listening and hearing the underneath of what I'm saying, and I better just leave it at that, leave the rest of it unexpressed, because times are hot. And I believe I've said enough for you to both see what my hand is and see what my hope is. I love the American people, I love my country, and I want us to grow strong. I want us to grow strong. And we have to do that together. So thank you very much. <laughs> this is Gwendolyn Gowser. This is the end of my political, wait another four years, my political show. But these two forces came together. I had a wonderful time talking with you today. I hope that you have also found some benefit in it. And I say, um, let the workplace speak. appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 